Lord's Prayer, the last verse of the Lord's Prayer, and it has some big implications for you and I. So I have a question for you. Do you ever get tired of struggling with the same exact thing all of the time? Like you just have the same struggles, you have the same desires that you just can't seem to get rid of in your life, and man, it is just wearing you down. Like there is just this part of your soul or your life that just, man, you feel overwhelmed, honestly, and you feel defeated and you feel like, man, this will never get better and I'll never get over this, right? Because like we live in a culture and a time right now where we're bombarded by all of these temptations in our life and and they begin to overwhelm us and man, it just feels like we're never going to have victory in our lives and what God is going to do. And so today, what I want us to do is I want to give you a battle plan to win the war against temptation. I want to give you insight. I want to give you what God's word says. And I want to show you today that God is doing something incredible and can give you victory over the greatest temptations that you have in your life. Now, has anyone ever been to a grocery store while they're hungry or dieting? That is the worst moment in human history, maybe, right? Like you get there and you're like, what am I? This is awful. Like, why am I here? I I have a struggle going to the grocery store no matter what, because if there's one thing that I'm like a sucker for, it is sauces. Okay. If I walk down the aisle where they put all the sauces on the wall, I'll be there for an hour. And I'm looking, I'm like, mango something. Yeah. What would that be good on? I don't know, but let's get it. Right. And so Kelsey, she has to like make eye contact with me before she sends me to the grocery store. Kelsey looks at me and she's like, look me in the eyes, sir. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, repeat after me. I will buy what's on the list. I will buy what's on the list. Okay, let me clarify. I will only buy what is on the list. And I'm like, I can't make promises I can't keep, right? Because the reality is, is when I get to the grocery store, temptation stirs. Like sometimes I got to eat a meal before I go. Because how many of us, like you're on a diet or you're hungry and it, you get to the grocery store and it starts off great. You even give yourself a pep talk when you're in the car. You look yourself in the mirror and you're like, not today, not today. We're going to do this. We're not going to eat those donuts. I'm not going to get a free cookie at the, the, the deli area. Like I'm going to make this. And so you start off, like if you're at a Publix, you go to the right and over there's all the milk. And you're like, this is easy. (laughs) Milk, no one's tempted by milk, okay? There it is, milk. Then you're like, yogurt. And you're like, I I can deal with that. And you're getting what you need. And then you slowly go past like the sandwich aisle. And you're like, oh, this this is looking pretty tough. And then you you move from there. And then you got all the the sushi. And then you get to the vegetable section. And you think you're free and clear, right? Because no one's tempted by the vegetable section, okay? No one's like, oh, man, look at those bell peppers. I can't wait. I can't, Lord, help me. But then as soon as you get past the vegetable section, what's coming? The pastry section. And that's where Publix gets you, right? Because you go on your way and you're like, man, I won't eat any of these things. I won't do any of this. But then you get to the pastry section. There's an, a waft of aroma that is so alluring and it begins to pull you away. And man, you get stuck. And what happens is, is for a lot of us, I know that this is like a funny discussion on temptation, but the reality is, is for a lot of us, the grocery store is hard because we're trying to do things, but man, life is hard. Like the way that the world approaches us and does things and deals with us, like, man, life is really hard and, and it feels so overwhelming for us to get through things. And so I want to help us today overcome this. And so what happens in the Bible is Jesus is giving us the Lord's prayer and then he opens up at the end and he says what? Hey, I want to help you guys understand in in your need for daily provision. So we get to the end of the Lord's prayer. We're going to be in Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 13 today. And then we're going to head to first Corinthians, but look at what the Bible says in Matthew 6, 13. This is what Jesus tells us to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, right? So Jesus, at the end of this daily prayer that you and I are to pray like, or we can actually pray the Lord's prayer, we are to, in this moment, ask for what? Protection. 
That's exactly what this prayer is. This is a prayer of protection, of spiritual provision and protection. And and why do you think that this prayer comes at the end of the Lord's prayer? How many of us, when our physical needs aren't met, we struggle to focus on spiritual needs? How many of us, like when we're dealing with physical issues, we're hungry, we don't have a home, like all of these different things that you may be struggling with in your life right now, your biological, physical needs can begin to outweigh your needs spiritually. So what does Jesus tell us to do? Pray for your daily bread. Pray for God's provision for your physical needs. Why? So we can open your mind to your spiritual need. So we can get you to where you really are interacting and understanding what your true need is. That's why at Bedrock, we love and serve people and we help meet physical needs in our church. Why? Well, one, it's the right thing to do. God has called us to do it. But also, when we meet physical needs, we're able to speak to spiritual ones. We get people into a moment where we can begin to talk about the things that are really needed in their life because their physical needs are met. And so what happens in in this passage is this. It's a little weird, but we have to understand this underlying tone of what's going on in the text. Jesus is not saying, hey, God, please don't take us up to the point of temptation. Here's what we know from what the Bible tells us. God is not a tempter. God does not tempt us. And it's not like God walks us to the cookie aisle and says, all right, here you are. Like, I'm leading you into this. I'm not putting the cookie in your mouth. I'm not putting the cookie in your hand. But here, I'm going to bring you to this moment of, of trial, this moment of temptation. What we have to understand is this prayer is specifically asking for us, for God to not lead us into places where we will fall to temptation. That's what it's asking. Like, please don't take us there. And if we get there, will you deliver us? Will you rip us out of that situation? Will you take us out of that situation from the evil one or evil in the text? This is a prayer of us admitting in this moment, like, hey, we need your help with this because if I don't do this, like, I'm going to be overwhelmed. And so what happens is, is we have to understand something that happens in our life and we have to make a distinction in our hearts about what is going on because here's the truth. God tests and Satan tempts. God tests for sure. All over the Bible, we see God testing, but Satan is the one who tempts. Now, here's what's really interesting. Anytime in the New Testament, that word temptation or testing or trial is translated, it's the same word. It's the same word in the language, which means temptation, testing, or trial. The difference in the understanding is what purpose it is trying to produce in our life. And so, uh, Yemi, I'll stand still so you don't have to run the camera. Can you go get me a donut real quick with a napkin, please? I'm hungry. Okay. And so, no, it's part of an analogy. I'm going to help us with here in a second. Everyone's like, man, that's weird. This pastor's weird. No, I got something. But here's what we need to understand. The word is the same, but the purposes are very different. And a lot of us get very confused in trying to understand the difference between a test and a temptation. And so what happens is, is, They're producing this different result in us because here's what a test is. A test is this outward moment. Thank you, Yami. Everyone give Yami a hand. He's always running the camera. We're like full of praise today. Uh, And so what happens is is a test is this maybe outward uh, moment that pushes in on us and causes inward growth. Testing is actually used by God for our spiritual benefit. Now, temptation, on the other hand, comes from an inward desire in which we are going to go to outward things to meet our need. The problem is, for a lot of us, we get very confused with this. So let me give you an analogy. Okay, this would be testing. This is an outward moment that is doing what? Testing me and testing my muscles so that what? When I'm doing this and I'm under this testing and I'm repping this out and this is hard, what is it producing in me? Muscle, right? I am physically before you getting stronger. I am physically enduring this test so that it will produce a good work in me. Now, what is this? 
Temptation. Because does this produce good things in me? No, not at all. But notice one thing. How do I eat this? Same action, different result. Same movement, same thing, but it produces something so different for us. And so here's what happens for a lot of us. We do this. We get a test in life. God gives us a test and we're like, this is too heavy. This is too much. And so I'm going to put this here and I'm getting away from the testing. Then in temptation, what we try to do is we stare at this and resist. But how many of you know when your tummy starts grumbling and you guys get those missed meal cramps, you know, when your stomach hurts because you haven't eaten, this gets harder and harder to resist. And here's what happens for so many of us. Because we're confused between trial, testing, and temptation, we do the opposite of what we should. Here's what the Bible tells us. You and I are to endure trials. What does that mean? We don't run from the hard situations and moments that God puts us into. Why? Because this is meant to build endurance in our life, correct? And the only way to build endurance is to stick with it and keep going. I wish we could go to the gym and just do this and be like, that's as strong as I'm going to be for my entire life. So I I need to avoid the gym and all of these things for the rest of my life because it's already accomplished its good work in me. But trials are meant to be endured because in it, God is molding you for the trial that is ahead to prepare you for what is ahead to get you ready. But because we don't know how to recognize these moments, what do we do? We flee this and we run to this. What are we supposed to do according to the Bible with temptation? Flee. Flee temptation. Run from temptation. See, resistance is meant for a very short period of time to get you to run, to get you to move and get away. And so what happens is because we are not good stewards of understanding what God is doing and what the enemy is trying to do, we need to understand that trials are meant to be endured. Temptations are meant to be fled. A lot of us in our life, we begin to look at these temptations and go, man, okay, God's calling me to just stand here and deal with this. And God goes, no, this isn't a trial. This is a temptation and we need to flee. We need to move away from this in this life because here's what happens. When we determine what force it is, we can act accordingly. And in the trials, we can begin to find peace and rest in God and endure for standing what is good while it produces a good work in us. Temptation can cause us and should cause us to flee from that moment and and to rely on God for the victory. And so as we get ready to talk about this, I had a mentor who told me this. He said, when you're in temptation run, And when you're in trial, sit, because here's the deal. God has a lesson and is wanting to produce a good work in your life that only this trial can produce. And so you're going to need to sit with this because if you don't, it will follow you. Why? Because God loves you that much because God wants to prepare you for what is ahead. God doesn't want you overwhelmed by the storm and the trial that you get into in the future. So because he loves you, he says, no, this is a lesson we need to learn to get you ready for that. So this is going to follow you. Notice even in Jesus prayer, he says, what, if this could pass me, if this trial could pass me, please be so, but what? Not my will be done, but yours. I will endure. But when we get into temptation, we are to do something totally different. We are to run. And we're going to look at the Bible today, and we're going to discover that God has a really good plan for us in all of this. If you have a Bible with you, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If not, don't worry. The words are there for you on the screen. Because here's the reality of when it comes to temptation. We're switching from trial, and we're going to focus on temptation. The moment that you think you got this is the moment it's got you. The moment you think, I got this, I can handle this temptation, this isn't a big deal for me, I I can endure this thing, is the moment that you can't. 
is the moment that you, you, you will be overwhelmed by what is happening. Look at these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul is writing to these Corinthian believers and saying this, look, Israel struggled with idolatry for a really long time. And because of their struggle with idolatry, these things are written down so that you can understand what temptation really looks like. You can understand what is actually happening. So here's what he says. These things happen, idolatry of Israel, and it was written down so that, why? As for, for them had to be examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. He says, learn from past mistakes. Look at what he says as he continues. So, if you think you are standing firm, resisting temptation, what? Be careful that you do not fall. It's a warning. It's saying, hey, if you think that you're standing firm on the edge of temptation, be careful that your feet don't slip. It's a warning. It's kind of almost sarcastic, like you shouldn't be standing firm here. You should be fleeing this thing. It says this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You can get through this. You can get past it. Here's the reality of what goes on. This is what Paul is saying. The moment you think you got this is the moment you don't. Listen to these words. Christians who become self-confident become less dependent on God's word and God's spirit and become careless in their living. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that they just go out and start doing whatever they want and doing all these bad things. It means that they're not on guard and so they get careless. Has anyone in here ever gotten used to doing something and you got so confident in doing it that you just kind of weren't thinking about it anymore and then now you made a mistake? Right now, oh man, I wasn't thinking about this. I wasn't paying attention because man, I got this and then now you're missing a thumb in woodshop. <laughs> Whoops. Right? I mean, this is why these things happen. We, and some of us in our spirituality, in our dealing with temptation, that's how we get. Man, I got this. I've had six weeks of victory. Man, I've got this. I've had 90 days of victory. Oh, man, I got a new habit in my life. Don't you know it takes like 45 days to create a new habit? Yeah, but that like negates the idea of a human flesh and sinfulness and the idea of temptation. There is no amount of victory that you can have in your life that guarantees you will never fall into it again. But the moment that we think, man, I got this, man, like I, I don't need this, is the moment we become careless. And when we become careless, openness to temptation increases and resistance to sin decreases. When we are most secure in ourselves, when we think our spiritual life is the strongest, our doctrine is the soundest, and our morals are the purest, we should be most on guard and most dependent upon the Lord. Why? Be careful about standing firm lest you fall. Be careful. Israel thought that they could stand firm. All of these other people in history thought that they could stand firm, but they didn't. In fact, even this past week, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, we were at the gym, and uh, there was a guy, you know, you get to know the same guys that go to the gym with you at the same time. And this guy had told us weeks ago, he's like, man, I've been sober for three years. I've been sober for three years. We're like, dude, that's awesome, man. Like, that's incredible. He began to move from one house to another, so he got stressed. And when he got stressed, he came into the gym, and we were talking to him, and he was like, man, I just had my first drink last night. And we were like, okay. How's that going? He's like, man, I got this. It's, it's been three years. I just, you know, I'm stressed out. So I just, I just wanted to take one drink. And so we're like, be careful when you're standing firm, lest you fall. We did not see him for another two weeks after that day. I actually got pretty worried. And he came back in to the gym just last week. And we were like, hey, man, where were you? And he's like, uh, one drink turned into cases. And I've spent basically the past two weeks just drunk because I thought I had it. And what I realized is it quickly has me. It quickly overtook me. And I'm not saying like, this isn't the place where it goes like, 
You can't ever have a drink. This is all sin. Jesus turned water into wine. It would be weird for him to make something totally not okay. But here's the deal. For some of us in here, it's not okay. You don't have drink. Drink has you. You don't have sex. Sex has you. You don't have money. Money has you. We can just start pointing. You don't have food. Food has you. Like just whatever it is, there's probably something, some temptation that is beginning to take you over. And you think, man, well, I can just dip my toe into the waters. But let me tell you something. Sin will always take you further, faster, and longer than you ever intended. Always. It is a thief. And it pulls you and draws you in. And all of a sudden, you wake up somewhere and you're like, how did I get here? I never thought I would get here. Because let me tell you something. You will never in your life drift towards holiness. You'll never drift towards holiness. You will always drift away from it. We're all beachgoers. We live in like, no more beach in America. How many of us go to Siesta or one? I don't go to Siesta. It's too crazy. But any of these beaches and you go out and you wait out to like chest height. And then you're like, you know what? I'm a floating kind of person. I'm going to float. How many of you stay stationary? No, because you're not actively either out of the water or producing and standing firm, the moment your feet come up is the moment you drift away. That's why Paul says this. Be careful when you're standing firm, lest you fall, lest your feet let up, let any of these moments go. And let me just tell you something about temptation and addiction. If you struggle with that in here, one, there's no shame. There's victory in Jesus Christ. And we all in this place struggle with something. We're all addicted to something and we all pursue things that we shouldn't. And so this is not a place of judgment or shame. This is a place of Jesus and victory and healing and overcoming. But let me just tell you something about addiction. You generally don't pick up at the beginning. You pick up where you left off. No one, this happens all of the time. There are people who deal especially with like very heavy drugs. And what happens is, is they are off drugs for a long time, let's say years. And then, you know, the temptation comes and they start taking drugs again. They don't start where they started taking drugs. They start where they left off. And you know what happens to a lot of addicts who have been sober for a very long time and then pick drugs up again? They overdose because they start back where they ended. Why is this like so such a big deal? What is the purpose of sin? What do we see sin doing to you and I? For the wages of sin is, and a lot of us are embracing things that are meant to devour us. And the way that we're dealing with those things in our life is we want to stand firm and trust like, okay, okay, this is tough, but I can do this. You can do it for a very short period of time. We're not meant to carry these weights. This is why these weights overcome us. And let me just tell you something. Sin is more patient than you. Sin is a constant pressure and pushing. It's always there. It's always in the background. It's ever present. It's right there. Hey, here's what's going on. Here, how this works. So the moment that you and I get confident in that we're okay, we got this, is the moment you don't. And then we as Christians tell each other this. So it, it's, not, um, it's not a verse. It's just a misquoted verse. Here's the quote. Maybe you've heard it. You'll never get more than you can handle. You ever heard that? Hey, you'll never get more than you can handle by God, but the world will certainly try. You'll never get more than you can handle. And so what does that give you and I in this moment a feeling of? I can handle this. I can deal with this. Do you remember all those Christians quoting this thing to me that I will never get more than I can handle? They just forgot the second part of the verse. They just forgot the second part of what's going on. They forgot Matthew chapter 6 where it's like, please don't leave me in this. And if I get in this, deliver me from this. Because here's the deal. The world is always going to hand you more than you can handle. It's always going to pile it on. It's, oh yeah, more is better. More is better. More is better. More is better. Has anyone eaten themselves to getting sick in here? I mean, all the little kids in the room are like, yeah. 
I had too much candy and I threw up. And you're like, what was good is now bad because you didn't have it in moderation and it had you and you didn't have it. The world is always going to hand you more than you can handle. The great thing is, is God can handle the world. The reality of all of these verses and what we saw in the Lord's prayer is daily dependence, daily trusting in him. And it's not like, God, give me like legs that are cemented into the ground. It's like, please don't even get me there. And if I get there, don't like, it's not just about me standing firm. Can you deliver me out of this? See, we've gotten confused between testing and temptation. We think we're supposed to leave testing and we're supposed to endure temptation. And that's not what the Bible is saying. Saying so you can get out of this. The way that you can get through this is to get out of it. Because here's what happens, and there's two really big dangers when we go and just quote half the verse. You'll never get more than you can handle. Two things arise. Pride. I can do this. Man, I, I, obviously, God doesn't give me more than I can handle, so I should be able to handle this. So I got this, right? Anyone ever been there? Yeah, I got this. And the Bible has this phrase that we use today that's very important because what you're brewing up in somebody in that moment is pride. You've got this. And we have this saying in our culture that's very true. Pride comes before the, the moment you think you got this. You don't. But then when we don't have it and we've been told God will never give you more than you can handle, the, the world certainly will though, is what? When we fall, what do we fall into? Despair. Pain. So it leads to pride or pain. When we don't get the whole context of the verse, when we don't get the whole understanding of the verse and what God is telling us about temptation, we're going to get to pride and we're going to do what? We're going to fall. And then we get into despair. And what do we do when we are in despair when we're not in a healthy place? We go back to the things that are killing us because for a moment, they make us feel better. Sinning is fun. You're like, I'm in church and he said that? Yes, sinning is fun. What it produces is not. Sinning is alluring. It calls us in. It's fun and enticing. But what it produces in you is not. Eating this donut is awesome. Diabetes isn't. This donut is awesome. But if you don't handle this the right way and it handles you, you're going to have problems because what it produces in you is bad. This doesn't mean you can't ever eat a donut. Okay. But it's a good analogy. So here's what you and I have to understand. Some of you are like, why do they put donuts here? Right? <laughs> why would they do that to us? Cause we're looking and we're like, Oh, there they are. We need to pray for them. Just kidding. Someone picks up the trail mix and we're like, okay, they're doing okay. All right, we're in a good place. <laughs> but here's the deal. When you believe just half of this statement, there's a lot put on you. And it can lead to pride or pain. Where are you right now? Where are you in this room right now? Maybe you're in a season of victory. Maybe you're in a season that the Lord has carried you to a place where you're having victory. Are you starting to believe that you've got this? Are you starting to believe that it doesn't have you? Or are you in this place and you have fallen? You fell on your way in. You gave into temptation last night. You gave into temptation this morning. And you could barely walk in here because now all of a sudden... You feel like I just failed God because you wouldn't give me more than I can handle. Here's the truth. Paul clarifies this in the next statement. He says what? Yes, like you, you will, you know temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and God is faithful. He not, will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And so what does God do? He gives you an exit. Very next part of the verse, right? It moves on and tells us what? That God gives us a way. But when you are tempted, verse Chapter 10, verse 13. Second part, it says this. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You have it for a moment and you leave. But I want to give us all like just a little bit of encouragement. Because temptation is so personal. 
right? Like it's what you feel on the inside. And I don't know about you, not a lot of us are bragging about our temptations. No one's like, you know, Instagram posting, temptation day, yeah. Like not. Just fell, wow, <laughs> yeah, awesome. No one does that. Why? Because it's embarrassing. And you know that embarrassment is meant to isolate you. It's meant to keep you away. Why? Because you're much easier to tempt when you're alone. But here's some encouragement for you. Paul gives it to us in this chapter through the inspiration of God. It says what? No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Here's what Paul's saying. Everybody's got this problem. Here's what else he's saying. You're not alone. You're not alone. You have a pornography problem in this room? You're not alone. You have a drinking problem in this room? You're not alone. You have a, an addiction to eating in this room? You're not alone. You have an addiction to, to just name whatever it is. I guarantee you it's in this room. And you're not alone. But you feel alone. And when you feel alone, you'll go to things that are meant to kill you, to comfort you. And so what happens is it's this cycle that becomes vicious and it becomes this downward spiral. And it's like this. I hate what I'm doing to feel better. I do the thing that I hate and now I hate what I'm doing. And now to feel better, I do the thing that I hate. And what is it? It's always sin will always overpromise and underdeliver. It always says this. You'll feel great. You'll feel better. It's like the most like worst used car salesperson in the world. This is a great car for the 10 minutes you drive it off the lot. <laughs> if you're a used car salesman in here, I'm sure I'm not talking about you, okay? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> no returns. All sales are final, okay? What you have to realize is, is that's what sin does. Man, you'll feel great. This will be awesome. You'll love this until 10 minutes after. It just never sells you the backside of the story, does it? Temptation never sells you the backside of the story. Because how many of us, this isn't in my notes. I'm going to give it to you right now, though. Here's the deal. Some of us in our lives need to cultivate better appetites. Here's what I mean. There's McDonald's cheeseburgers. They're pretty good, right? But have you ever had a dry age, prime beef, like super, like Wagyu burger? You know, if you eat Wagyu burgers, your pocket's going to hurt. But here's the other thing. You probably won't want McDonald's again. Why? Because you've cultivated an appetite for something better. You've cultivated an appetite for something healthier. And here's what C.S. Lewis says to us in this moment. Lewis said this. He said, how do you overcome habitual long-term sin in your life? It's not through resisting. It's through developing a better appetite. Because what he says is this. For us, whenever we settle and go into temptation, what we're saying is, I don't believe the goodness of God is there, and it won't meet me there, and it won't satisfy me. So I will settle for second best. And so this is what Lewis says. And this is what we all try to do in resisting. We try to resist our appetite. Lewis says this, grow your appetite to where the point you don't want sin anymore, you want God. You have to love God more than you love the sin. You have to have an de appetite developed in your life for God more than you do the sin. How do you develop appetite? You spend time. You come to worship. You put on praise music. You read your Bible. You pray daily. That's how you do it. You spend time with him. You can't expect to develop an appetite for God when you spend just 30 seconds with him a week. And then you spend hours with temptation. It's not going to work. You're not developing a better appetite. And so here's the deal. You're not the only one. And here's the better deal. God is faithful. This is what this means. He's not leaving you alone. You're not alone. You're not the only person that's dealing with whatever you're dealing with in this life right now. And he's not leaving you. Because if a lot of us believe that God has conditional love for us. And when we fall into this temptation, we believe that what? God like leaves us. But what does the Bible say to us? I will never leave you nor forsake you. What does that mean? I'm not going to depart and I'm not going to leave you alone. 
And God, because he loves you, will patiently endure things that are hurting his sons and daughters because he loves you and wants to rescue you. And some of the parents in the room can identify with that. You've watched your kids do things that are destroying them. And you've tried to have conversations and you've done all of these things. Here's what I would tell you, parents. Don't give up. Patiently endure. Patiently endure. Patiently endure. Patiently endure. And so what happens is, is God is faithful. He patiently endures with us. We saw that in this earlier in the series. So what? We can rely on God. God isn't leaving you, but we must turn to him. Because God's going to give us two things when we get into temptation. Because if you do it on your own, it is too much. But if you do it with God, nothing is too much. So look at what the Bible says. God is going to give us a help up and a help out. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear in him. In him. This is what it means. Lord, like, please don't let me be, be overwhelmed and overrun by this. No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So what does that mean? He pulls you out of the moment. He evacuates you out of this thing. It's exactly what Matthew 6 is praying. Don't lead me there, please, to a place where I'm going to fall. But what? If I get there. Deliver me, pull me out of here, rescue me, help me get out of this moment because I know that unless I have you, I'm doomed. I'm doomed, I can't do this. And so that's the help up. God will lift you above what is going on. God will rescue you. It's like a father picking up a child. And it's like, I got you. That thing down there is meant to devour you and get you, I've got you. What parent hasn't done that when their kid's about to, they're tempted to go play in an ant pile because it just looks like sand? What do you do? No, we're not doing that. But then what else does it do? It's not just a help up, it's a help out. And if you get into this temptation, what? There's always an exit door. What's the exit door? What's the parachute? Him. He's the exit door, he's the parachute. He's the rescuer. He's the redeemer. And the things that are overwhelming you will be overwhelmed by him. Sin will wear you down. It waits on you and it will wait you out. It stays in the battle with you persistently. And here's the reality. You and I are not meant to stand firm in this and resist forever. Yes, resist but resistance is meant for a short period of time. Resist so that what? You can get to him. You can get to the exit. You can get out of here. I think that a lot of men especially struggle with this, but I think all of us do because here's the deal. You do not need to impress God. He loves you. His love for you will never change. You cannot grow his love for you, and you cannot diminish his love for you. He loves you as much as he ever will right now. So you don't need to impress him. You don't need to go, did you see how long I withstood that? Did you see how long I stood in the midst of this? Did you see how great I did? Do you see? Do you love me? Aren't you proud of me? And God's like, well, I always love you, but you don't need to earn my my pride of you, my, my, me to be proud of you. I, I, my love for you is unconditional. And I'd rather hold you. I'd rather take you and rescue you than for you just to stand firm and endure these things that you were never meant to endure. Here's what we need to do. Proverbs chapter four, verses 14 to 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. What's another word for avoid? Flee. Flee it. Get away from it. Don't go down that path. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Pass on. Leave. Get out of here. And for some of us in this room, like, we need to just start to say and look at things and go, man, like, God, don't you see how good I'm doing? God, don't you see all of these things that I'm doing? And God goes, yes, I do. But the reality is your mind is going to a place that you're going to fall. 
The moment you think you got this is the moment you don't. So this is what? Daily reminders of spiritual protection. That's why it's put in the Lord's prayer. Here's the deal. A lot of us are enduring, 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 and trying to stand firm. And we are growing weaker and weaker and weaker. And a lot of us are on the precipice of falling because we're so tired, because we're dealing with things that we were never meant to deal with. Because here's the reality of what's at the basis of temptation, fear. Fear is at the groundwork of temptation. Why were Adam and Eve tempted? Was it that the fruit looked so good? Or was it the fact of what they were missing out on? Hey, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. It's the first FOMO, right? It's the first fear of missing out. If I don't eat this, then I won't be like God. Now this is super tempting because I don't want to be without. I don't want to not have. I don't want to not be happy. I don't want to not be okay. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to do all of these things. I've had people literally tell me, I'll become a Christian on my deathbed because I don't want to miss out on everything else. And I'm like, there's some things worth, worth missing out on. Bankruptcy, it's probably worth missing out on. Drug addiction, probably worth missing out on. Heartache, heartbreak, all of these things that sin produces in our life, they're worth missing out on. And so these are the fears that maybe come into your mind and your heart right now. What if I never meet someone so I'll sleep with anyone? What if I never find the right person, so I'll settle for anybody? What if I, I don't get this opportunity again? What if, th yeah, this isn't the right opportunity. It isn't a good thing, but it may lead to better things. So I better just take this opportunity this time. What if I run out? What if I don't have enough? So you know what? I'm just going to take a little bit out of the QuickBooks. I'm going to take a little bit. I'm going to take this client who paid me cash. I'm just going to place it over here. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to hide a little bit away. How about this? I'll only do this once. I don't want to miss out. I mean, I'll just one time. Just one time I'll do it. I just don't want to miss out. Because here's the reality. We don't want to miss out on anything. But the things that we don't want to miss out on are the things that God is trying to protect us from. See, we try to impress God by our ability to endure temptation when what we are to do is to flee. Some of us in this room are facing things that are meant to devour you and you're trying to stand still in the room and you're trying to stand firm, but you've been doing it for far too long. There's an exit over here. And so you have to turn from that thing that you're resisting. And I'm proud of you for resisting. But we don't need to stay in this fight longer than we need to. We need to go. Flee. And you go, that doesn't sound manly. I don't think it matters when the things that are devouring you are. Because I don't think adultery is manly. I don't think bankruptcy and stealing from people is manly. I don't. Do you? And so we just try to endure these things and, and do all of this. And God's saying, no, the exit is here. A couple years ago, this is what happened, and we'll end here. Um, I got into competitive shooting, okay? So like handguns, shotguns, all this stuff. I would, I would competitively do this. And so I, I was in a part of Virginia where we were just in a place where there was a lot of cool people. And we would go shoot on this, this mountain, okay? And you're like running and doing all this stuff. And I really didn't know how to shoot very well. I, I wanted to learn. And so these guys came up to me one day at the shooting range. And they're like, hey, um, do you want to start shooting competition? I was like, I actually, I think I would. I, I think I want to be very safe and, and well-informed when I'm dealing with this stuff. And they said, oh, great, we'll teach you. And I was like, oh, okay, like, who are you? And they're like, this guy's like, well, I was a Navy SEAL. And I was in um, the Secret Service. And I was like, okay, you guys might be qualified. Okay, don't get too ahead of yourself. Let me think about it. Let me pray about it. That's what we all say, right? Let me pray about it. And so I walked over and they were like, can you teach, you know, and they're like, yeah, let's start teaching you. So I learned how to, I, I passed the Navy SEAL proficiency test. I became a really good shooter. And I was like, man, there was a one time we were, we were learning and this guy goes, um, 
I was like, man, man, it's so cool. Like, you guys, you're in the Secret Service. You guys were always ready for a gunfight. And he said, you know what? We never really um, planned to how we were going to fight. We always planned how we weren't. And he said, you know, like when we do ops teams and we go over to a place, we'll go well, you know, a couple weeks out to a month out to a city or wherever we're heading and when we're on protection detail, what we do while we're there is we don't look for buildings that we're going to fight behind. We look for routes that's going to get us out of the fight. And I was like, you guys are so tough. You're running. And he says, it's better to run to fight another day and you fight when you have to. But the goal is what? They don't like get into a gunfight with someone and go, just put the put this important VIP person in the car and we're just going to see this thing out. No, what do they do? They put them in the car and they say, get them out of here. And I thought about that and I was like, man, what an image for how we are to deal with temptation. The point for you and I is not how good we are at fighting. The real reality of how, when it comes to temptation is how good are we at fleeing? How good are we at hitting the exit and moving on? And so here's the only way a battle plan that I know for you and I to get through temptation. And it's this. You and I need to get ahead by getting close to God. You need to get ahead by getting close. Because a lot of us, our temptation issues in our life, we're not ahead of them. We're in them. We didn't figure out our exit strategy yet. We didn't figure out our way to get to God quickly. We didn't figure that out. And a lot of us are just getting there and hoping we endure hoping we get through this. The way that you and I get out of this is to get ahead of it. And how do we get ahead of it? Matthew 6. Pray that God will not lead you to places that you get to, but if we become you know, disobedient, we walk to places we shouldn't, that he'll get you out of it. We have to plan ahead. I have a little analogy, um, and then we'll end here. Uh, Jude, Jude the dude, this was like maybe two or three years ago. Uh, he was like three, two to three years old. And this is our old house. And at our old house, uh, we had these family of raccoons that lived in a, in a palm tree at our house. And so like we would legit like see them. It was a mom and five babies, cutest things ever. Sometimes they'd come to the window and look in, all of this stuff, right? And um, Jude was really fascinated with these raccoons. He called them cocoons. Okay, like, look at the cocoons, okay? And so um, one day, Jude was over at the window, and he was getting ready to look at these uh, cocoons. And, um, and I said, look, there's a raccoon. And he screamed, and he ran. Ever since that day, he was terrified of raccoons. Can you, let's show the fearsome beasts for everyone to see. These are them. Vicious. Look at that, a mom playing with her kids. Those are the vicious beasts. And so one day we're out in the yard and it's getting dusky. And so Jude is playing on the opposite side of the yard. Kelsey and I were out there and he's playing on the other side of the yard near the palm tree where the raccoons sleep. And um, we heard a rustling and he heard a rustling. And the mom raccoon, they got to know us. They weren't like very afraid of us. They just, we were with them every day. And, um, the mom raccoon started to come down the palm tree. And so Jude looked up at this fear and he screamed and he ran. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't just run anywhere. He didn't just run away from his fear. He ran to us. He ran directly to me. And what did I do? I didn't stiff arm him and say, go deal with that. Hey, come on, man up, fight that raccoon. I didn't say that. I didn't say, oh man, it's not so bad. What did I do? I picked up my son and I held him close and I said, I'll never let them get you. I'll never let them get you. I'll always take care of this. And so fear is at the base of temptation. And when we fear the fear of whatever's coming and we're tempted to go to all of these things to ease our fears, to make sure everything's okay, what do we need to do? We need to flee, but we don't just run anywhere. We run directly to him. And he picks us up and he takes us home. And so as we end this moment, let me give you a perfect story. Anyone know who Josh Hamilton is? Josh Hamilton was a an outfielder for the Texas Rangers. He actually played for Tampa Bay for a little bit. He's like six foot five, 260 pounds. 
huge dude. When he was in spring training here in Florida, <clears throat> just down the road actually, he and his parents were in a car accident. Both of his parents died in the car accident. He was hurt really bad. And he wasn't a believer at the time. And he, uh, he went to go live with his grandma while he was rehabilitating in Texas. And um, every night while he lived there, he had a reoccurring nightmare. That he would dream that there is this presence. And he says, I believe it was the devil. And I would see this presence and it would see me. And it, it would come after me. And I was so scared and I would run and I would scream. And in my dreams, I would wake up in a sweat with my heart racing and panicked. And then he said, as a 21 year old, six foot five, 200 something pound man, I would go get in the bed with my grandma because I was so scared. And he said, man, it was just so overwhelming. I kept having these fears. And during that time in his life, Josh met the Lord. And while he was meeting the Lord, the dream ceased, and then one night they didn't, and the dream came back. And he said that in the dream, he was there, and he's like, here we go. And he sees the presence, he sees the enemy, he sees this thing, and it begins to pursue him. And just when he was about getting ready to flee, he felt another presence. He said, I didn't see Jesus, but I knew it was Jesus. And as soon as the enemy saw me with Jesus and Jesus with me, the presence stopped. And then Jesus and I chased it down and ran after it and fled after it and we got after it. But it was me with him and him carrying me and getting me through that that allowed me to take over the things that were trying to take over me. And in this room, the only way that I know how to come over long, overcome long-term temptation is to find a deeper desire in God, to run to him, let him pick you up, and then let him pursue your enemy. And the one thing in this world that's meant to overwhelm you, God can overwhelm it. And so how do we do that? Pray. We pray daily. We give ourselves over to God. We submit ourselves humbly to him and allow him to do the work. We don't need to impress him. He already loves you and he wants you to have the victory, but it's gonna have to come through him. And so Cody's gonna come and we're gonna sing. But in this place,